137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back after a long break to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 97. Boom. The episode where I bitch for half an hour about these goddamn storms that we're getting through the Midwest Terrible. and how they are ruining my life. Yeah. <laughs> and Preston, you too, man. I mean, you're not really much different than I am. Nope. And my sewer, uh, the, the sewer lines in Park City have been backed up because of all the rain. And yeah. because we live on a slab, um, like the uh, piping is through the, 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 the slab. So we had a little bit of leakage in the bathroom. And I'm like, God damn it. Ugh. I'm over it. I'm like fuck you, Rain. Yeah, dude. This whole fucking this whole fucking two weeks has just been a total bummer. This uh, the episode that we're gonna talk about. I was I typed this thing up like two weeks ago in the hotel in Dallas uh, when these storms first started. When we we uh, Shayla and I went and saw Dave Matthews Band in Dallas, and I typed up the show after the uh, the concert where it downpoured on us for half an hour during the show. Be honest though, that's probably okay. pretty badass though. You know what? If it didn't ruin my favorite fucking boots, and I'm not like a no go to get my shit kickers on. <laughs> With the Texas I have, and I have a boots. pair of boots that I bought. So I wanted a pair of you know, nice, decent pair of boots to I'm wear. I'm in Texas, so I might as well wear the shit kicker. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it uh it really messed up my leather boots, but Aww. it was fun, dude. It really was. The fact that the the band continued to play during the storm was pretty badass. And it's funny because Ten years ago, to almost to the day, we saw them at the same venue in Dallas, and it rained and it stormed so bad that they cut the show about an hour and 15 minutes in because of all the lightning. Yeah. So before we went down, I went ahead and thought, like, right before we left, I'm going to buy a couple ponchos just in case. And yeah, sure as shit, it started raining about 20 minutes in, and it rained for about half an hour. Nice. But there was no lightning and minimal thunder, so they just kept rolling with it, man, and Played a couple couple jams. They rarely play at live shows to celebrate the uh, the rainstorm. So it was fun, man. It was a good time. Hell yeah, yeah. Gillum went to uh, Rock, Oklahoma this past just this past weekend. Shit, and they had man, to. How was that a muddy mess? Uh, yeah, it rained a lot, and then um, into the last night of it, I think, or maybe the night before, mm-hmm. uh, they got like tornado warning, and it was like lots of rotation and really windy. Because uh, wow. Tech Nine was there and they were, they were playing. They're one of the only hip hop groups to do it, and mm-hmm. it was so funny because his his uh, main right hand man Chris Calico was like out there filming, and then Tech's like real paranoid about whether he said, like, "Get the fuck back in here, man!" Like and then, like typical Missouri <laughs> Kansas boy like trying to film it. Because yeah. Shayla did the same that's thing. Like the, oh, I was dying. That's, so that's the video of Shayla and dying I laughing. At, Babe, that get gas in here. Get- <laughs> Yeah. Well, like, so, okay, here we go. We're driving home uh, Monday the 15th, I think it was, or I don't know, Monday the 16th. But anyway, we're driving home from the concert, and we're driving up from Dallas through Oklahoma, and we're just following that belt of storms that went from, like, fucking, I think, above Nebraska down past Dallas, Texas. And we're, like, an hour away from Perry, Oklahoma. And a tornado hit and uh, several places. And I thought, well, thank God we're an hour away. By the time we get there, it should be gone. So we're listening to like every fucking 
dank podunk country music station there is to keep track of the weather because that's all the armpit of texas plays and by the armpit of texas i mean oklahoma (laughs) (laughs) so as we approach perry shayla says hey let's uh let's pull over and get a drink real quick and i said no let's just keep driving keep in mind this is probably the one time you don't actually listen to not anything other than your satellite and podcast yeah right (laughs) when there's bad (laughs) weather Right. Howard Stern's so, not going to tell you about the fucked off tornadoes <laughs> in the armpit of America. <laughs> no, it's funny because we we canceled satellite because they oh, jacked really? the price way up and I wasn't going to pay it. So, but anywho, you know, like we're driving, and so we pull over at this gas station, and as you pull off the interstate, it's one of those where you have to pull off to the right and then exit and then cross over the highway on the overpass to go to the left side. And as we come over the hill of the overpass, there is. An ambulance, there's a paramedic truck, there is a fire truck, a police officer, and a state trooper all parked in this parking lot along the edge of the highway, or the, you know, the byway. And then there are about five storm chaser trucks and cars. Then there's about five or six pedestrians parked there. Like, it looks like you're at a shopping mall. Hmm. And this is a tiny little gas station. So we're just like, what the fuck are they looking at? So we pull up, and the wind has picked up, and it's hellacious. And all of a sudden, like, the sky's getting real dark. And I told Shayla, I said, come on, get in the car. We're going. She's like, no, I want to see a tornado because she's never seen a tornado. And so we get out and, like, it's just blowing like crazy. It's going nuts. This huge black cloud forms. And then there's, like, there's a documentary film crew there that just happened to be rolling through that part of Oklahoma. So, like, they're out there recording it. And all of a sudden, like, all the paramedics stuff, they take off because apparently, like, another uh, tornado has touched down. And then we're out there filming, and during part of my filming, you hear me say, all right, babe, babe, come on, let's get inside, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, hilarious, because dude. The two, the two God, God bless them, the two ladies working the gas station, they're like holding the door open, yelling at people like, get outside, just like screaming at them, now, all of you. And the tornado is like pretty much coming towards this gas station, so we all go inside. The storm has blown open all the doors at once. There's stuff flying around inside the gas station. We all run and like try to get to a door, slam them shut, lock them. There's people inside there. There's probably 40 people in this gas station. And we're all huddled in the hallways of the bathroom. And then it just gets real quiet. And the barometric pressure drops so low mm. that I, it sounded like everybody's talking through a funnel. That's so like, weird. I couldn't hear anybody. It was really weird. And then fucking boom, like the wind hits and – all of a sudden, like, you see the squeegees get sucked up out of the squeegee holders and go flying across the parking lot. And these chained down trash cans are being ripped off, uh, off of their podiums and they're rolling across the parking lot. And there's like a horizontal, like, tunnel of rain underneath the awning of the actual gas pumps. It was just fucking insane. And then, long story short, that lasted for about 15 minutes. And then we saw rotation, we saw little funnels kind of forming. But they never touched down on us. And uh, about 15 minutes later, it was over and gone. But it took off part of the roof across the street, like 100 feet from the gas station. Uh, There's a little motel, and it ripped off part of the the, the roof of the motel. So shit got pretty That's close crazy, to us. That's crazy, dude. But yeah, it was, it was nutty. But Glad you guys are all right. Yeah, it was neat. It's neat to talk about later, you know, after it's done. But, I mean, like, everybody, you could people are petrified because, like, this is it. We're in a little gas station in a hallway. <laughs> right, and you know who knows what's gonna happen. But that's so weird because I took when I went to Galveston with an ex. I went all the way down to down there. On the way back, we ran into some storms too, and um, we had to. 
that same highway we had in Oklahoma, probably pretty mm-hmm. close to Perry. Uh, we had to yeah. go underneath uh, an overpass and hide under there. And like it lit, like the winds were so terrible, like it literally picked her small car up and like moved it. It was not. Oh, I remember you talking yeah, about that. That shit was yeah. scary because like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's there's nothing, and there was like. 20 30 cars like <laughs> propped up in there people were like yeah. hiding underneath it hiding it was really weird it was like fight it was like fight or flight like it was crazy shit mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's nuts that man. was fucking terrifying mm-hmm. so i can i can we, uh, after it was over people showed up to our gas station who drove through it and said like their cars were literally being pushed off the highway cars were like sliding across it because the winds were so bad uh, it was just it's nuts man yeah Wicked storms. And then we get to Kansas and get home safe just in time for the next batch, which ruined everybody's live yeah. last week. Lots of places underwater. Yeah, dude. Yep. Oh, well. We could bitch all day about it, but right. <laughs> apparently it's one of those things that everybody deals with when your homeowner is leaky goddamn roofs. And leaky butts. And leaky butts. So, Ooh, cool. Well, speaking that's of speaking fest. of leaky butts, Here we um, go. remember how you asked me if I had a news story? I actually came across the best fake news story in the world. When the facts don't matter, you are fake news. <laughs> Woman who married pirate ghosts claims he tried to kill her when she dumped him. That's right, folks. A woman who married a 300-year-old pirate ghost has claimed he nearly killed her when she tried to end the relationship. Amanda (laughs) Teague legally married Jack, a Haitian pirate who allegedly died in the 1700s after being killed for thieving on the high seas. However, the 40-year-old needed to undergo an exorcism when she was rushed to the hospital after Jack's spirit possessed her. According to Amanda from Northern Ireland, Her spiritual and sexual relationship with the pirate was giving her serious health problems, not to mention the fact that he was intent on killing her if she dumped him. She experienced painful abscesses, developed septus, and almost needed a calm me bag because she had a leaky asshole. (laughs) But she was miraculously healed when Jack or when she managed to part ways with the pirate Jack. So she goes on to say, (laughs) after two weeks of marriage, I started to get health problems. I started to get reoccurring uh, perennial abscesses, and I was suffering from psoriasis. After four or five months in, when things started to go really downhill, I went back to some of the people that had communicated with Jack. I know the symptoms of possession, and part of it is ill health. So I was concerned (laughs) that it was to do with the relationship because of the timeline, but I was assured that he was a lovely spirit who wouldn't harm me. I knew his passing away was, uh, or his passing was intimate and I'd asked Jack to help keep him until now the writing just gets shitty and that doesn't make any (laughs) sense. Um, more about her leaky butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, she said, Jack, no sex. Um, and that that didn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's really about the end of the story. So, wow. So now you said that's fake news. Ooh, ooh. previously I had an MRI scan in November, which showed that my bowel was perforated. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now that could be self-inflicted, right? Yeah. Or, or partner-inflicted. 
so we these you said fake news, but we talked about her initial announcement of the wedding uh, yeah, a year or two ago. We did, but uh, the reason why I say say uh, fake news is because she's known to be a uh, pirate impersonator, and her persona uh, is Jack when she goes and does the fake pirate get up army matey. Oh, is it really? That's funny. Weird. I knew in the back of my heart, if I didn't get rid of him, my health was going to get bad. Yeah, I think you're just... If I hadn't got the exorcism done, I think I, w- I definitely would be going around with a colostomy bag. <laughs> oh, man. That, that would be unfortunate. That would be. I shouldn't laugh, but I am. <laughs> Jeez. Right, well, right. it's funny. I was wondering what happened to her a few weeks ago, so... Now you know. Synchronicity. Oh, yeah. Well, in other news, um, a teen was searching for arrowheads in southern Iowa when he found something much bigger. The prehistoric jawbone of a mastodon. Dope. The Iowa City Press Citizen reports that a 30-inch bone belonging to a juvenile (laughs) mastodon, the elephant-like mammoth creature... Yeah, believed to roam Iowa some 34,000 years ago. Officials with the University of Iowa Paleontology Repository, which now has possession of the jawbone, found last week, say the mastodon might have stood around 7 feet tall. The farmers who donated the jaw and related bones to the repository did so anonymously, saying they didn't want to encourage people to trespass on the property to look for fossils on their land. There are likely more fossils on the land, as the owners found other mastodon remains there decades ago. So, Steve, did you say that's what they think it is, meaning you know what it is? Or <laughs> no, you're I was, just I was making bullshit? a perverted joke. You said you were talking oh. about the inch size of the bone? Oh, it was a boner joke, Sean. <laughs> shock, shock. It was a boner joke, Sean. Boner jams. <laughs> boner jams. All right, so check us out. This is crazy because when I was younger, it was very common uh, to you go. You got a Mastodon boner? No. <laughs> no to, go, uh, to go into the fields where I lived in the country and look for arrowheads. My grandfather had a huge arrowhead collection that he accrued um, in that field around where he grew up at. So huh. it was very common for us to go out there and find stuff. And uh, a couple times we found fossils, but not the traditional like dinosaur ones. They were, um, you know, like fossil, like fossilized into like rocks. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Like, and the ash, uh-huh. it was badass. So it was like the, what you call it? Like, I don't know the damn words for it. Not like, not petrified. Yeah. Like it was like inside the things that almost looked like, um, kind of like a Little shell crustacean. Or yeah, yeah. There you go. Cephalopoids. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so I mean that is a fossil. Yeah. that's not like a dinosaur bone, but yeah. it's a fossil nonetheless. It's pretty yeah. cool. And then, and then of course the couple times they found meteorites and stuff, which I told that story before. But, but um, <laughs> that's just a big old chunk. Yeah, of yeah. yeah. But it's it's hella cool that uh to find stuff like that. So that was just pretty cool to hear that story. Wow, Steve, I did the same thing in my childhood. Right. It's it's a good it's a good time. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think that like there's so many of them still out there and it's kind of like a a lost thing. I don't think a lot of people do that, but that was like a big thing to do when the older generation prior from yeah, like when the, you, uh, when your dad was cuz your dad's older older than my father. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, he. Uh, so he. We used to go to Augusta and along the side of the highway where the rock cliffs are. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to go out there and pull off on the side of the road and then like break those apart. And then um, we would find like the little different crustacean um, inside the rocks and we would take them home and shit. And yeah. The cops would always like pull over. What are you guys doing? And then he'd be like, like oh, We're cooking meth. Dick for fossils. Get the I fuck mean, out of here. He's like, All right. <laughs> Hell, one time one of the cops actually helped us load it in the back of the pickup truck because Dad wanted some big boulders for his rock garden. The cops mm-hmm. like, "Fuck it, why not?" <laughs> There's times when we go out driving and Shayla says the same thing. Let's get a big old rock, and I'm just like, you know, I'm not gonna throw my back out. For, yeah, for that kind of Later. stuff. Later, you're in there sitting here. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, I'll pop the trunk for you when you show up. <laughs> uh, well, like I mentioned before, guys, um, the show I put together is uh, two weeks in the making. We we were going to talk about it a few weeks ago, and then uh, we got home late, and I was emotionally just wrecked from that storm we had to drive through, you know, and it was just uh, not not a good time for us to record. And then the storms rolling through recently had me not even wanting to turn my computer on because the lightning was so bad, but... Um, I think there's a lot of fun stuff in here. It'll all spawn off of some news that I read while we were on our trip to Dallas. And um, admittedly, it's not going to be too spooky. It's going to be a little more true crime. But I did sandwich a little paranormal stuff in the middle for everybody. Like a nice creamy filling. But uh, I'm, I'm excited. This is some pretty cool stuff. For the most part, it's all really, I mean, I think it's all true. It's all based off true stories. Some of it's uh, straight from the news. Some from the annals of history. (laughs) (laughs) See what you did there. Cheeky Uh, little man. Yeah, but I'm excited for it nonetheless. Scooter die, bitch. The first story, guys, is going to be straight from the news. And then we're going to get things a-rolling. So an Oklahoma man was recently murdered while hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Is it Appalachian or Appalachian? Did you just say whacking? No, hiking. Oh, it's not like you said whacking. I was like, wait, what? No. It's Appalachian. That's what I've always said. Appalachian. Presto, what do you think? Appalachian, Appalachian. Uh, It's Appalachian. We should call Rob real quick on the phone. Apparently, (laughs) if you live around that area, there is a saying called... If you pronounce it Appalachian, I'll throw an Appalachia. Mm. So I don't think it's Appalachian. I think it's Appalachian. But anyway, forgive us. I'm going to call it the Appalachian Trail. I'm going to go with you on that. Well, thanks, buddy. You're going to have to go with me because you're in the passenger seat. (laughs) So an Oklahoma man was recently murdered while hiking, not whacking, on the Appalachian Trail. So apparently this 30-year-old dude from West Yarmouth, Massachusetts, who went by the nickname Sovereign, murdered a guy and severely wounded another woman on the trail. James L. Jordan, uh, he's 30 years old from West Yarmouth, Massachusetts, allegedly murdered by knife an unidentified man at the time of the story. I have some amendments to make later and injured a woman early morning Saturday, May 11th, in an isolated stretch of the Appalachian Trail. Now, the Appalachian Trail is pretty, pretty long. It's over 2,100 miles long, and it goes, I think, from Maine all the way down through Georgia. Unfortunately, the man in the story passes away. Uh, The man in the story died. The woman, however, survived, though severely wounded. So apparently Jordan had allegedly been menacing people around the trail for weeks and weeks on end. 
They said he was well known in the area. Uh, the trail had a fantastic grapevine, you know, a really good source for people to talk about what the hell's going on, you know, as they come across the trails, not to mention you have Facebook now and cell phones and everything else. So as this guy is running this reign of terror, basically news spreads fast and people start keeping an eye out for him. Through word of mouth and online forums, hikers warn their peers about a man behaving erratically and threatening people by knife. They said he was verbally attacking people. He was very angered, very outraged, yelling at people, screaming, talking about how he was going to ruin people's days. And he said that uh, he also attacked people who offered to share their shelter with him. And he was known to be damaging shelters, damaging campsites, and spray painting swastikas around the local trail shelters. Some hikers said they traveled within 10 to 15 miles of this guy, and they planned their actual trips based on where his whereabouts were, trying to avoid him uh, at, at nighttime. Hmm. Larry Smith, a hiker from Charleston, South Carolina, tells the Daily Beast that he ran into Jordan on a trail at a shelter at Atkins, Virginia, back in early April. First off, that's an amazing journal. The Daily Beast. The Beast. <laughs> the Daily <laughs> Beast. Oh, hell, the right. Beast. <laughs> I got interviewed by the beast you met the devil no the newspaper oh. <laughs> so Smith said that he had gone to bed after feasting on a dinner of hamburgers and beer with fellow hikers but he woke up that night after he heard somebody rush into the shelter making all sorts of commotion kind of yelling and hollering and everything else booga booga around- booga <laughs> yeah uh, Smith said that Jordan poured alcohol on a campfire where the hikers were gathered at the partnership shelter in Virginia, flaring the flames. Uh, He yelled, he screamed, he went upstairs, he came back down, all while basically saying he's about to make a lot of people have a pretty bad day. So when when, uh, Smith gets up to kind of, you know, approach this guy and say, hey, what the hell are you doing? He freaks out, runs out of the shelter, and then disappears off into the dark. Then he came back. Sounds like he just wanted to party. I mean, honestly. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. He came back and said, I'm going to burn this shelter down. And then Smith says, you know, are you okay? What's going on? He says, the guy jumped up on a table, flicked his cigarette in Smith's face, and challenged him to a fist fight. (laughs) Now he's just drunk. Right. Smith (laughs) said that uh, he ran into the parking lot, and that's when he decided to call 911 as the guy disappeared into the frigid night off into the woods. And Smith says at the time he thought it was just another hiker who had gotten drunk or one of the locals that stumbled by the shelter who had drank a little bit too much. But that's when he noticed another trail blogger had posted Jordan's mugshot a few weeks later. And he realized, holy crap, that's the nut job that came into our shelter trying to catch everything on fire. On April 17th, a Facebook account connected to Jordan featured several disturbing posts, including one which appeared to be uh, him recruiting people to join the Sovereign Cartel, which he said he's looking for a crew and shutting down folks who deserve it. Hmm. On April 21st, the Unicoi County, Tennessee Sheriff Mike Hensley raised the alarm about an erratic figure named Sovereign, writing that he was running hikers out of shelters with a shovel and brandishing a knife and a machete stating that it was going to be a bad day for hikers, is what Sovereign was saying. Several days later, however, they catch this guy. 
and he gets arrested after an altercation with hikers up in the Tennessee-North Carolina border. So this dude's like making his way down this trail. And when the police catch him, they find he's carrying a knife with a 20-inch blade. So basically, you know, damn near a machete, if not. God, that sling blade. <laughs> right. And reportedly, he pleads guilty to several charges, including uh, marijuana. He's sentenced with a fine, and then he's released. So basically, he goes to court. He pleads guilty to charges of possession of marijuana, but he gave him a fake ID. He was given a fine, placed on probation, and the judge ordered him to, quote, stay away from the trail and keep away from hikers. And they fucking let the guy go. I don't understand. Like, how does somebody just give false identification? Like, I, I, don't I don't understand know, that. Like, if That's you, unless, unless, unless he has a fake ID, then, then that'd be a little more plausible. But he has to right. say, oh, my name is Sean Swope, when it's cl- clearly not. Right. Like, it doesn't make no <sighs> sense. Like, how does somebody just say, like, this is that, and they take their word for it, book him as that? Like... Well, I mean, so Ted Bundy did that shit, you know, but he kind of customized his look after the guy's ID that he stole. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for all we know, the sovereign guy could have made a fake ID a long time ago and then just carried it with him, too. Like that, that could be a a pretty decent uh, answer here to our (laughs) our query. But the sheriff said there wasn't much they could do to hold him since hikers who, you know, reported the attack didn't want to press charges or return to testify in court because the problem was, you know, he was arrested a few weeks prior. The hikers did the right thing by calling the cops, but they call it through hiking when you're hiking through the trail. So you're starting in Maine and you're hiking down to Georgia or vice versa. He says, the problem is when you're through hiking, you're on a timetable and you didn't want to go in and testify, thus adding more time onto basically like your record or, or how quick or, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's not a contest of like, I bet I can make it faster than you, but it's, it's crazy. I went on and researched a lot about just Appalachian trail hikers and hikers in general. And this is like a thing to do. Like I like to go, Preston and I run the OCRs a lot, you know, there's a whole community basically of hikers and and backpackers and whatnot. So I mean, that's kind of a small claim to fame. Like you know, hey, I did the through trek and I went from yeah. Here but to what here. what the fuck is more important? The sort of oh, record no, no. Yeah, or, I, or goal you're I trying to achieve, agree. or like that's great because like I don't you know me I'm 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 fat and I don't run and do all that stuff. And everybody that does <laughs> that's great. It's awesome. I I applaud you for it. Um, my buddy, he is a long distance runner. He runs up to six miles a day, every day, except for weekends when he works. And um, he fucking loathes the numbers on the back of people's cars. Oh, yeah. Oh, it drives him (laughs) nuts. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, I've been running up to six miles a day. Since 1994. But how do we know if he doesn't have a sticker fuck? on the back of his car? <laughs> you think, he's like, you think <laughs> I give a fuck about your miles? Like, you know, like, and it's like, mm-hmm. and then, so I hear this and I'm like, these people could be saving someone's lives, but they're more worried about yeah. getting to Georgia. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the thing is too, like, think of this. If you're on foot, you have no vehicle and we pretty much know your trek is going to be down this one path on this, you know, this trail if you take a break and you go to court and you're like, yeah, that's the bastard there that fucking hit me in the face with a cigarette and then spit fucking Jack Daniels all over a campfire. 
the guy got away. It's not like they booked him, you know, overnight mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So, I mean, you basically, they arrest the guy, you go to court and say, yeah, that's him. And then what, three hours later, you're both on the same trail. Like it's, it's almost a suicide mission yeah. at that point because. Double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I could basically say that's, that's why you wouldn't want to, but. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? But so they didn't want to go back. And thus, it caused this sovereign guy to go through the system pretty quick and then get released. So if you fast forward to May 7th, Jordan gets back on his Facebook and he starts rambling on and on and on. And he starts saying stuff like, I'm captain of the hit squad and I'm the one leader of the get them squad and like all this shit. He's trying to, you know, basically say like he's just going to run game on those who got to get got. And apparently. Yeah, I don't know. This is right. just weird. Like, I, it's weird. I've never seen posts like this on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, I don't know. It's really weird because this stuff's happening more and more, more and more frequently. Yeah, there's a thing I can't get into partially because of of legal reasons, but I did uh, to make it very vague. I was loosely involved in a, a situation where a guy was coming around somewhere and he was troubling um, a, a, a lady. And then we all jumped on his Facebook after we figured out who he was. And this dude said the same shit. He was going on and on about how like, okay, I went out today to such and such blah, blah. And I ran into a girl. Her name is this. And it was the lady's name. And she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be my future wife. Oh, my uh, God. One of my future wives. And she just has to have some reprogramming. And I'm going to have to educate her a what? little bit with, you know, the way. Oh, yeah. With the ways I like to be pleased and all this kind of shit. And it got pretty sick because um, investigators didn't really know too much about that side of the story. But once I figured out his name, I, I looked him up. And uh, it was a pretty – I'll tell you more about it off, That's off, crazy, the, uh, yeah. off the show. It's nothing like – it's nothing legal I can get in trouble for. But it's just – it's best to leave the rest of the details yeah. out to protect people involved. But I'd never come across it either. Like I'm like, okay, let's go see this fucking nut job and you know how he likes to – no disrespect here, but like how he collects Pokemon cards and he's probably like watching My Little Pony and shit like that. No, this dude has been in trouble with the fucking law before. The FBI had been involved with him. Whoa. The CIA was keeping hey, – it was fucking nuts, dude. Like a bad it was dude. literally insane. But you read his Facebook shit and it's like the world doesn't get me and I'm going to show them and blah, 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 this and blah, blah. And then it'd be like a really nice post like, oh, my God, great day for a jog. Bye-bye. And Yeah, the next one was like – Met another potential today. Not sure if she feels the same way about me, but I can potential. change that. Or, yeah, Sounds like it, a it fucking was, psychotic incel. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. That's exactly what it was. That's but. crazy, dude. Ooh. Yeah. So, <laughs> back to brass tacks here. Reportedly, the guy surfaces back up in Virginia around um, the probably about the first week or so of May and he's trotting along and he's, you know, hollering at people and people report seeing a guy on the trail with a dog who keeps like harassing people and yelling at people and, you know, coming up to campsites and, and fucking with people's stuff at night and, you know, kind of, you know, tormenting them. So on May 11th, a couple Saturdays ago, a group of four hikers were out for a hike whenever uh, they came across this guy and he kind of had some small chats with him, a little bit of small talk and nothing too serious. But they kind of, you know, gave him the idea of like, we don't want you around. Get away from us. And they had a pretty weird vibe. Well, the guy disappears and they stop and make a camp for the night. And then they hear kind of a rustling in the bushes and they see this guy reappear with his dog. 
and he's talking to him, making small talk. And, you know, the guys reportedly got up and said, okay, hey, listen, guy, like, we don't want any trouble. Just leave. You know, you're freaking us out. Would you mind just leaving us alone? So the guy flips his fucking lid and he's like, oh, why don't you want me around? I ain't going to do nothing, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, I'm going to fucking burn down your tents tonight while you're sleeping. I'm going to pour gasoline over all of you and burn you to death and all this crazy shit. So they prepare to leave. Damn, dude. Go get back on your meds. Right. Yeah. So they get freaked out and they start kind of like, you know, cautiously watching him and packing up their shit. So they start gathering everything up, getting ready to go. And then two hikers take off. They just run. They're just like, okay, fuck it. We're out of here. And the stories don't really say whether the four people were all friends or if it was a couple groups that met up one night, you know, just kind of had a communal camp. Two of them get away. Two of them pack their shit and fucking just bolt. But then <laughs> like, the fuck other two. <laughs> yeah. fucked up. Yeah. So the other two and the guy and the woman here, he pulls out, uh, uh, Jordan pulls out a knife. They try to run. And then he starts attacking the, the guy. And the guy's name was Ronald Sanchez Jr. He was a veteran, uh, 43-year-old veteran from Oklahoma. Wow. And uh, Sovereign Jordan, this guy, long story short, attacks him and stabs him. Some people say, some reports say over six or seven times with a machete. Jesus. And then he turns around and he attacks the woman. And he thinks he's killed her. She falls down and she plays dead. Like, okay, whatever. He watches her for a second. She doesn't move. There's no signs of life. And he realizes his dog ran off. So apparently he trotted off about two o'clock in the morning or, or late, late in the night. Uh, he takes off after his dog. So she waits for him to get away. And then she hikes six fucking miles away and calls the cops around two 30 reports. What happened? He imagined so being attacked with a machete. And have to yeah. play dead, mm-hmm. not make no sound, no movement, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> once he disappears, hike, probably at a stealthy rate, so he's not like oh, tracking yeah. you or leading out everywhere. Jesus fuck, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, and that reserve tank kicks. Like, yeah, no, right. no light whatsoever. Like you're, oh yeah. my god, in the wilderness. You know, mind you, it's well traveled wilderness, but it's still the fucking great outdoors. You know, it's still, yeah. it's it's still the woods. It's still a trail. And the fucking you're mountains. possibly dying. <laughs> like, uh huh. Yeah, you're bleeding out everywhere. Yeah. You're just you're running on you know fumes and adrenaline at that point. Fuck that. So she calls and reports. You know, hey, we try to set a camp up. This guy's got a knife. He's got a dog. He kind of looks like this. Roughly, it's dark. I can't really say. You know what he looks like, but. The fucking police find the guy. So deputies in Bland County, Virginia, begin looking for the guy, and they find him. They find a guy with a dog, and they realize, holy crap, this might be our dude. They pull him over. They approach him. Yeah, he's the guy. He's got blood on his hands, literally. He's got the fucking knife, everything else. Like I said before, unfortunately, um, the male victim, he did pass away. His name was Ronald S. Sanchez Jr. from Oklahoma, 43-year-old Army veteran. Um, luckily the woman, she did pull through, she survived her attack. She had severe injuries, but you know, she's thankful to be alive. And, um, there's a quote here saying, I'm very appreciative that they acted as quick as they did and apprehended him as quickly as possible. And nobody else was hurt. So this guy's on trial. Uh, I don't know if they've had the actual, you know, court case or what, but I mean, obviously I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it's just happened. Well, I mean, 
it's weird. Uh, roughly about 2 million people hike through that part each year. Um, at the moment, many through hikers, as they call them, who try to go from the end to end in one trip would have been passing through the area where the murder took place. So it's, it's well-traveled. Um, everybody is sad, sick to their stomach, um, says people from this community. But the message we want to tell people here is that it's pretty rare. The trail is still a refuge, and you can't guard against every evil in the world. But murder and killing is very rare, they said. Since 1974, there have been few killings on the trail, as little as eight, as many as 11. Hmm. But basically, uh, about 10 you know, murders have happened on this trail in well over 40 years. So it's supposed to be, you know, a pretty safe refuge, but it's very interesting nonetheless. And we'll get to it another time. I wanted to do it this episode, but I didn't have time with all the, you know, leaky roof shit. The Appalachian Trail does have a lot of other interesting stuff happen, like missing 411 and everything else. So we'll kind of cover some of that maybe another time. But Maybe by a fucking Mothman? I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> But what's kind of interesting here is I found that the Appalachian Trail, the 2,190-mile, uh, roughly, uh, trail, it doesn't just end in Maine. Because something that happened in the early 2000s is they've extended the trail because the mountain range doesn't quite end there. What's really cool is the Appalachian Trail has actually been officially extended into what many people call now, or what is known as, the International Appalachian Trail, that takes you from the northern terminus of Mount Katahdin, Maine, up through New Brunswick, Canada, into the Gaspé Peninsula of Quebec, and even through New Brunswick. So now the trail actually goes from Georgia clear up through Canada. Nice. But I, you know, we've been camping a few times. We're planning a camping trip possibly to celebrate our 100th episode. What do you do in that kind of scenario, man? Do you... Do you pack a gun when you go hiking and shit like that? Or, I mean, what do you think? Fuck yeah, you do. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I'd like to. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, when the only time I've ever done anything like that was when I went to Hot Spring in Montana. And they mm-hmm. had, um, you know, they had more of like, you had to wear the bear spray can on you. But another guy, oh, another yeah. guy also brought a gun too, but he said the gun, gun's worthless. Yeah. So, I mean, do they furnish, like, you walk up and you're like, I'd like a day pass. Do they just say, all right, here's your day pass and a can of bear spray? Um, everywhere we went, they told us it was illegal, that you can't go on, you can't go anywhere without it okay. if you're hiking. You have to bring your own, yeah. but you have to have it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're, yeah, like, yeah, if you're going to go to, like, on a tour of... National Park like, or whatever. Then, yeah. then, yeah, your tour guide will supply you with it, but um, okay. we just bought it. It's everywhere. It's like a dollar. Okay. <laughs> Hell, so, you're, you're a pro so at taking cheap. your uh, fucking uh, samurai sword for you know, Bigfoot <laughs> attacks. So. I, I, you know what's funny is uh, Josh, my brother-in-law, had given me a pretty nice little pocket knife because uh, I wanted to start carrying a knife in my pocket, you know, because as GQ says in Boy Scouts, you should always have a knife. Damn right. Mm-hmm. So I lost the knife right before our Colorado trip, and when we stayed up in the uh, in the mountains in our uh, little tiny home cabin, uh, they told us, you know, there there are animals in the nearby area. We don't see them, but we know there's wolves. We know there are black bears. So you know, don't go out after night time. Don't leave trash everywhere. Don't put trash in the trash cans till the daytime, and let us know so we can haul the trash off immediately. But I was like, I just I want a knife. That way, if we go hiking, I have some semblance of you know personal protection. So we went to Dick's 
And this little high school kid working the counter, I'm just like, hey, man, I need to get a pretty good pocket knife. What do you recommend? And he's just like, ah, I, I don't know, man. Like, what, what are you looking for? You got anything specific? And I just said, you know, I want something with probably about a three-inch blade on it, um, preferably something I could kill a bear with. And I said it very straight-faced and very, very matter-of-factly. And he just stares at me, and he's like, you want to kill a bear? You should be like, did I stutter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you, Junior? But I said, no, I don't want to kill anything, but I want to have something on me in case I get attacked by a bear that gives me a decent chance to fucking kill it before it kills me. And he just looks at me, he's like, you're serious? I said, no, dude, I'm not delusional. I'm not going to kill a bear with a pocket knife in hand-to-hand combat, but what I do want is a knife that will allow me to maim this thing. So after it's done eating me, it looks down at its gut and says, damn it, that was a terrible idea. And he thinks about it every day of the rest of his life. <laughs> and he just stared at me like just halfway in awe and halfway like, this is not in the manual. How do I page for management? <laughs> but I did get a pretty sweet knife that I can carry when I go on hiking trips and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I don't know, man. And like you'll see in a lot of, um, you know, I survived type shows, that's kind of a common occurrence when somebody just blindsides you and hacks you up or stabs you. A lot of times people do the old play dead trick and actually end up surviving to tell the tale. But I mean, you always run the risk too. he could have easily walked away, got the knife and started hacking up the bodies too. It's crazy, so I'd say, you know, 50, 50 shot, but. Yeah, she's she's lucky to be alive. She actually um, is a young lady from Nova Scotia, Canada, and um, they, <laughs> um, so like I said earlier, the hiking community is a pretty tight knit group. And on their Facebook page, there is a Facebook page. Um, the Beast. She did make a post here. Oh, the Hiker's Yearbook. Hiker Yearbook says these are the three feet of the survivors. They're all doing well. A little broken but nowhere near defeated. They want to thank everybody in the hiking community for their love and support and to let you guys know they are strong. Their collective message to the community is keep going, keep hiking and stay forever. AT strong in loving memory of stronghold. So apparently everybody has nicknames in that group, but uh, it's a nice photo. I'll post it on the Instagram. Um, it's basically of the three surviving campers that night with their feet together. In the middle, there is a uh, iron-on patch from the Appalachia Trail, so kind of a memorial. Uh, That's cool. From what happened, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's really touching, man. It's it's pretty shitty, but we'll also put a picture on there of uh, Ronald Sanchez too. He it's shitty when anybody dies, but. You know, when you're a veteran and you have PTSD, and this is one of the few things you can find, you know, mm-hmm. calmness in and, and be yourself and get away. Like, this is what fucking happens. So, yeah, it's hopefully that sovereign to think about, guy man. is fucking. What's that? It is bullshit to hear about, you know, yeah. people that have sacrificed shit and then be taken out by something, some fucking cowardly method like that. You know what I mean? It's bullshit. Yeah. It is, man. It really is. I, I hope this fucking sovereign dude, Jordan, whatever his name is, uh, fucking gets it, man. I, I hope he doesn't get the death penalty. I hope he goes to prison and they just relentlessly beat that guy within an inch of his life. That's what I hope for. Yeah. Call me a call me a sicko, but all right. Well, back to uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> brighter subjects. Speaking of the Appalachian Trail and Canada. 
I came across this other really cool story here about Swift Runner. Have you guys ever heard the tale of the Wendigo and Swift Runner? Mm-mm. No, but I feel like you're going to lay it on us. <laughs> I'm going to lay it on you. I'm going to lay this paranormal pipe right on you. So this is really interesting. It's something I found to be very fascinating, and I'm actually a little bummed out that we didn't talk about this when we glazed over the Wendigo the first time. But as we kind of all remember, and for those of you who don't, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. The Wendigo is a creature said to hunt, lurk, and haunt the forests of Canada and some parts of the U.S. It's a creature who's lanky, who's skinny. The skin is basically like stretched around the bones. It's just a bag of bones. Ghastly face, emaciated, swollen belly, you know, the antlers of a deer. And this thing just lurks around the forest. And it's got an insatiable hunger. Whatever it eats, it can never be full. It basically, it will eat and it will swell uh, appropriately to the size of the thing it just ate, but never will the hunger ever go away. Look, and in an all and fairness, also, when we covered the Wendigo, me and you yeah. were crying and you know weeping like little bitches about the death of Stan Lee. So it was more about like a comic <laughs> book fueled episode. Like we didn't hit in the uh, folk, you know, folkloric tales of the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So, I couldn't remember when we talked about it, but you're yeah, right. That was uh, yeah. We were a little emotional that that yeah. EP. So. You know, yeah, I think we'll I literally make, did cry that day. So. Yeah, so we'll make up for it now. So continue there you on. go, yeah. Cool, yeah. So the Wendigo, there you go. It looks like a fucking zombie, except for it's basically emaciated. This thing is nothing but skin and bones, and it lurks around the forest. And it's basically a spirit, sometimes a man or a woman who have been cursed by a spirit. But uh, it has to do with cannibalism. So if you were ever to eat another human you had the chances of being possessed by this demon, this this creature. And if you would eat somebody else, you would then thus be turned into a Wendigo. And much kind of like, you know, modern-day zombie tales, a Wendigo could turn somebody else into a Wendigo. And if that person were to then, you know, stalk another human being and attack them, it's kind of like uh, werewolves or, or whatever. You know, you can basically start a whole mob of these fucking creatures. But anyway, if you know anything about Nate, fuck, if you know anything about Native American mythology, then you've probably heard of the Wendigo, the evil spirit with skin too tight around the bones, terrifying broken antlers. The Wendigo enjoys dining on human flesh and stalking unsuspecting travelers. Of course, the sinister creature supposedly is just a myth. But if you've traveled back to the 19th century Canada, you'd probably find a lot of people who disagree with the statement. In uh, the Algonquin tribes, the Wendigo was very real and is also said to have had a bad habit of possessing unsuspecting people and turning them into cannibals. Unfortunately, during the 1800s, several Algonquin natives actually did feast on fellow humans, a result of a mental disorder that modern-day psychologists called Wendigo psychosis. So I wanted to cover this very famous case of Wendigo psychosis in our modern history, and the victim of an unfortunate... uh, The victim of this unfortunate story is a Cree native by the name of Swift Runner. Born in Alberta as 
Kaki C. Kuchin, also known as Swift Runner, was a popular man among the Cree community and the father of six children. This guy stood over six feet tall, had a very muscular build, and was said to be as ugly and evil-looking in the face as I've ever seen, described by one Saskatchewan officer. And he made his living as a trapper and a guide for the Northwestern Mounted Police. So, over time, Swift Runner develops a taste for whiskey, and possibly because, you know, he's uh, lost his ability to hunt naturally and take care of his family, and he's kind of had to uh, succumb to the, the woos and the laws of the white man. So he starts drinking, and he develops a really bad case of alcoholism. And he worked for the mounted police as kind of a guide because he knew the wilderness, and he knew the area, and he's a hell of a good tracker. And he's making decent money, and he's making ends meet, and everything's kind of a good thing. But, unfortunately, he falls to the throes of alcoholism, and making things worse, he was an angry drunk at that. So his drinking habits get him to a lot of trouble, and while he was on good terms with the frontier authorities who used him as a very trusted guide, he has one violent whiskey bender, and this unbalances him with his trust from the Mounties, and they basically say, hey, listen, you're fired, we can't trust you, you're showing up drunk, you're picking fights with locals, you're gone, you're going back to your tribe. So they kick him out. So Swift Runner goes back, you know, to wherever we want to call it, you know, the community he lives in. And he has another whiskey bender, and he drinks even more, gets really violent, picks fight with people in his tribe, and they say, hey, asshole, you're out of here. You know, pack up your shit and leave. We can't trust you anymore. Take your family and get the hell out. So in the winter of 1876, Swift Runner takes his family, consisting of his wife, six kids, his mother-in-law, and his brother, out to the forest. And he says, hey, listen, there's a cabin out here. I just want to get away for the winter. We're going to go out here. We're going to forage, kind of like the old days, and we're just going to survive together. One big happy family eating off the land, and we'll come back in the spring, and we'll start over. So they go to the woods. They live there for several months through the winter, and spring rolls around, and old Swift, uh, Swift Runner staggers out of the woods into a nearby Catholic mission. And the Catholics... what? Someone say something? No, I didn't say anything. Okay, cool. So these Catholics, you know, they're they're holding church and they're and they're doing their Catholic churchy stuff. Uh, those jokes are too easy, so we'll avoid them. And suddenly the priests notice, you know, this really strange looking man kind of stumbles in. And so, you know, they take him in, you know, what's wrong, my child, what's going on? What, is everything okay? And when they ask him basically what's the matter, Swift Runner says his entire family was dead. He tells the priest at the Catholic mission that during the winter, he hadn't been able to find any food. There's no animals, there's no berries, there's no foraging. And slowly but surely, one by one, all of his family starved to death and he barely escaped. Once the weather got better, he kind of staggered out and he's looking for help. But the priests have kind of a weird feeling about Swift Runner because the dude's pretty portly. He's very well fed. He looks very healthy. His face is full. His cheeks are kind of chubby. He's got a little bit of a belly on him. And they think, this doesn't look like somebody who succumbed to starvation. And they also knew in the area plenty of other Cree natives who had a pretty successful winter uh, hunting-wise, and they were all doing very well. 
They also said they were disturbed by his consistent nightmares because they took him in. They let him stay there at the mission with them uh, until they can kind of figure out what to do, until he could kind of get a grip on things. Well, he said he'd wake up at night having terrible nightmares. He was very violent. He'd wake up screaming at the top of his lungs. And they kind of had a last straw when one night one of the priests looked out the window and saw Swift Runner trying to lead a group of children out of the mission into the woods. So something wasn't setting right with the priests, and they began to get pretty suspicious, and some of them started kind of rumoring around that they think maybe Swift Runner actually killed his family and staggered out of the woods because he couldn't quite cope with what he had done. So they contact local police, and police arrest the big guy and basically say, hey, we have suspicion that you may have harmed your family. You know, you're not in huge trouble. You just got to show us where your family's at and prove to us that they're okay. So the story kind of deviates here slightly. Some people say that he said, okay, great, I'll take you right there. And others say that he was very uncooperative, and basically that one night the police finally gave up, gave him a little bit of whiskey, and after they got Swift Runner good and drunk, he staggered over and showed him where the campsite was. But nonetheless, the facts all come back together here. When the police arrived at the scene, they find something very, very gruesome and very grisly. Now, one child had died of natural causes. Swift Runner pointed that out when they first arrived to the area and showed the police where he's buried. But the others weren't quite so lucky. Because when they go inside the cabin... They find the cabin floors littered with human bones. Some are broken. Some skeletons are somewhat still together. Nope. But nonetheless, there's just evidence of a grisly, grisly murder scene. And as they kind of walk around and do their investigation, you know, covering their faces and, and retching while they're trying not to puke, they notice something even stranger. Some of the bones were broken and hollowed out. And that meant that he actually had broken the bones after eating the meat and sucked out the morrow after he was done. Ugh. So they, you know, they're just about to, you know, puke their brains out. They're all disgusted with this guy. They're trying to figure out what to do. And another officer walks over, and he discovers a cauldron or a pot over on the fireplace. And when he kind of looks into it and shines his torch inside, it's full of old, gross human fat. And other body parts. What the fuck? <laughs> that was perfectly played. You're right. No kidding. That was the. Uh, you ever seen the movie Ravenous about the Wendigo with the? Uh, no. Oh yeah, you gotta go. Ch- it's uh, you gotta go check that out. That's the soundtrack from that. So oh, every time we awesome. talk about dead people in a, uh, you know, uh, uh, cauldrons and bones all over the floor, like that's the song that pops in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was some like deliverance shit. right so yeah the crime scene is broken bones morrow sucked out body parts everywhere rotting corpses and then a pot on the stove full of human moraines and you know gelatinous human fat that he was boiling or you know whatever he was doing with some wendigo shit man that's my new saying from now on so they all look at the guy they take him in they book him, and that's when something strange happens. Swift Runner pulls out the Wendigo defense. 
He claims that one evening during the harsh winter, one of his sons had already passed away, and he's approached late one evening by the devious Wendigo spirit. It approaches the cabin, it stalks around, and in his hungry, weakened state, the creature possesses him, thus forcing him to murder, disembowel, and consume his entire family. So rumor has it this guy literally over the course of one winter dismembered and ate eight people of his family. But, you know, that doesn't fly with local authorities, especially because the guy's a minority now. You know, he's a native, so already he's got the short straw from, you know, mm-hmm. all, the, all the white folk. And he thus becomes the poster child, they say, for Wendigo psychosis. It's a mental disorder particularly found in the northern Algonquin people. In the psychosis, diagnosed by early 1900 psychologists, but, you know, it's also disputed, blah, 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 People are said to have experienced themselves possessed by a wendigo and racked by violent dreams, delusions of compulsions for cannibalism, and visions of eating people, too. It's said that your hunger can't be, you know, quenched, and soon, because of the harsh winter, the harsh climate, and everything else, you would soon resort to famine. I'm sorry, you would soon resort to cannibalism due to your famine. And though it was the wilderness in the winter... Swift Runner had access to plenty of food in his case, but instead, he says, he turned to the Wendigo. So Swift Runner goes to trial in 1879. The jury doesn't buy the supernatural tale. They have no remorse for this guy. And after 20 minutes of deliberation, they sentence Swift Runner to death. He's eventually executed on December 20th, uh, 1879. And what's strange is he was actually the first man to be legally hanged in Alberta, Canada. Before his death, he did convert to ca- I almost said cannibalism. Nope, he was already there. He did convert to Catholicism. And moments before the trap door dropped, he gave a speech admitting his guilt. And his final words reportedly ended by him saying, You know, I could kill myself with a tomahawk and save the hangman further trouble. Damn. Yeah. But uh, what's interesting about that case, outside of him eating people, they had to go through a lot of legal trouble because in that time, nobody got hung in Canada, in Alberta, in that area. Yeah. Like, it was unheard of. They would, they just had thieves, you know, common thieves and, and other stuff like that. They didn't have a whole lot of murderers in that time, so they didn't really need to have an actual death penalty. Swift Renner, I want you to draw me a clock. <laughs> right, but... Yeah, that's what I think of, man, in that Wendigo. I never knew it, but it makes so much sense, that creepy-ass fucking black tar man with yep. antlers on Hannibal. Yep. Ooh. So, yeah, that is this, the, the tale of Swift Runner and the Wendigo. Nice. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I – it, it's not funny. Those aren't the right words, but it's funny. I really enjoy the folklore of the Wendigo because it, it adds a lot of really great things together. It adds, you know, folklore. It adds that fear of the boogeyman and something we can all be scared of. And then it plays into mental health. And mental health is not funny at all. But it's very interesting the way that plays in there by people suffering from that type of psychosis and then blaming it on this folklore. So it's it's very – I guess what I'm trying to say is it's very interesting how those paths all cross. All across, Mental yeah. health and, and some and paranormal stuff doesn't. Right, exactly. I mean, nobody sits there and says, like, oh, I robbed the bank because I saw a Bigfoot. Yeah. 
you know, that's not what happens. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to me, and I want to read further on it and see if there's more cases because apparently that can't be the only case of the psychosis if it's in textbooks, you know, and it's, it's oftentimes talked about. So, <sighs> but you know, Steve, that's uh, it's interesting because that immediately made me think of that story that you touched on partially uh, a few episodes back. No, about the uh, Greyhound dude. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the cannibal story. So I think now's uh, now's the time. I've had that link saved for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Might as well get into it, and I'll make it kind of quick because I realize you know we're already over an hour of this episode. But so it takes place in Winnipeg, Canada. So we're gonna stay up in Canada. Started off in Georgia. Now we're in the Great Northern. Vincent Lee, a diagnosed schizophrenic, randomly boarded a bus one day, and nobody could have ever anticipated the depth of his depravity or what would have ensued later. After this is all said and done, Vincent Lee was known then on out as the Canadian cannibal because he committed one of the most shocking and unbelievable offenses of the decade that evening on that Greyhound bus. Around 6 p.m., July 30th, 2008, Vincent Lee, tall, well-built Asian man, boarded a Greyhound bus traveling from British Columbia to Winnipeg. This guy stood over six feet tall, pretty decent physique, very muscular, very imposing, although he also was very shy and quiet. Passengers said that he was agitated when he first got on the bus and seemed slightly confused. When he climbed aboard, he sat down in the front of the bus and didn't really seem to pose much of a threat. He chose to sit near the front of the bus, spoke to nobody, and even disembarked to smoke a cigarette at a few rest stops. Once he got back on the bus from one such smoking break, he seemed dissatisfied at his original seat, and he then started making his way to the back of the bus towards our victim, Tim McLean. So Tim McLean was a 22-year-old, born in 1985. He was a father, a brother, an uncle. He was very active, and this dude had no idea what the hell was happening to him later that day. Vincent Lee walks up, chooses a seat right next to him at the back of the bus. Tim barely acknowledges him and proceeds to fall asleep. Puts his headphones in, he just nods off. Well, what he didn't know is Vincent was plagued by terrible visions and a bit of psychosis. At some point in Vincent's life, he basically came on with the idea that he had a mission from God to rid the world of aliens. Something told him in his head that basically the world was being uh, invaded by aliens and it was his sole duty to take them out one by one. But he never acted on any of his impulses until that day. So he sits down next to Tim. Tim puts his headphones in, nods off, falls asleep, paying this guy no mind. People said who witnessed the event that at some point during the ride, Vincent reaches into his bag pulls out a knife, and plunges it straight into Tim's neck. Tim wakes up, he freaks the fuck out, he fights back, but it's too late. He like screams, like the people on the bus, like, they're like, it's unlike any other sound you've ever heard. It was just like, it was like a really loud, loud scream before it couldn't be a scream no more. Oh, Jesus. And like, wow, haunting. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Fuck, man. 
Yeah, they said when this whole thing's all said and done, he ends up stabbing Tim over 60 times. And and it also with like with the stabbing and just the total whacking of the machete just up and down, the entire attack, no emotion. Yeah. No anger, no like <sighs> like laugh, like no creepy look, like just straight stone. Nothing. Just methodical. Just yeah. like this is this is what I gotta do. This yeah. is my job. Yeah. So everybody's screaming, everybody's freaking out, and the bus driver realizes what's going on, so he pulls over. And people just pour out of this freaking Greyhound bus. And luckily, the bus driver has a stroke of genius, and he flips like an emergency switch, and it causes the bus to lock down. So basically, like, Vincent can't get out. So people report that he got up, started kind of walking around the bus a little bit, set back down, authorities arrive, and at this point, Vincent's like grabbing hunks of the skin and the and the muscle and shit and starts eating parts of this dude that he just got through maliciously murdering. Yeah. And he's fucking cutting him up, you know, eating little chunks of it, shit like that. And long story short, they eventually kind of raid the bus and they grab this guy, you know, and they subdue him and they arrest him and they book him. And it's just... Fu- I don't even know, dude. You told me about this story, and I didn't read about it for a while. Yeah, it's and it's, then I, it's crazy because Canada, um, Canada's a lot more woke on their mental illness stuff, mm-hmm. um, as whereas America is kind of lacking it in a lot of degrees. Oh, uh, yeah, in one more ways than one. Uh, so yeah. with that, with that, they have a really um, surprisingly lax requirement. For mental illness. Yep. So, and this was obviously extremely brutal. The people that had to witness that will never be the same. The officers mm. rem- come into the scene at the very beginning will never be the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, just this, the scream, the way you describe yeah. it, you know, that's got to haunt people. Yeah. And, and I mean, lives. and you see, you see the murder, but then like, you know, people are outside. There's nowhere for them to go. They're in the middle of this area, just on a road. And so they have to pretty much sit there, maybe from a distance, preferably, probably. And uh-huh. I mean, you can still hear hear him in there hacking, eating. Oh, Jesus! Like, man, and the cops yeah. show up, and then there's like not really a standoff. They just don't really know what to do. And then, yeah, just, I mean, it's it's, it's a bloody ass bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know what's going in there. If he has other weapons, so yeah, it's 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 a fucking uh, what do you call that when there's no move to be made by either side? Yeah, and and with Canada having the the lax requirement for mental health, um, uh, he refused a lawyer. And then because of his illness and his illness was already diagnosed. And since he was already a diagnosed schizophrenic and didn't get the treatment that he needed and, or didn't seek the treatment that he needed, um, Mm -hmm. people go there and they represent somebody. Cause like I said, they're really, they're really woke on their uh, mental health stuff there. Yeah. So then they stated he could not be held accountable for what he did because he was untreated and the judge agreed. Mm -hmm. He served one Mm -hmm. year. One year in a high security psychiatric ward, get his meds balanced out, get him balanced out, walks free. Yep. And I mean, this dude has had to like move completely away to another part in Canada. He's changed his name. Like, yeah. What did he change his name to? Tim or something like that. I don't know. Like, this is a really weird, it's really intense story because his name's Will, but changed his name to Will Baker. Will Baker. Yeah. Yeah. And like I don't, I don't know, man. Like I understand, like this is a terrible thing, 
and it's just hurt so many people. But like, this is what untreated mental illness will do. Like, you know, we, we see it all the time here in America with, with our, with our gun violence, but like you see like this stuff could happen. And I mean, when you bring in the whole, like he's writing about aliens and he's got to be the one to cleanse them and all this shit. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's like, I mean, I'm trying to joke on my dad, but that's the type of shit that scares me, man. He's so deep into this stuff, you know, not so much like paranormal conspiracies, but like just government stuff. Like, yeah, it's just scary, man. There's people out there like that. And when they get too wrapped up into stuff like this and they begin to dwindle their minds over it to do that onset mental illness, man, it's shit. It's fucked up. Well, I mean, yeah, just stress in general is a bitch for anybody. Mm-hmm. And the part of the problem with Vincent is, you know, he came to Canada from China. I think he worked in like um, computers or something like that. And he's having a hard time finding work. And he starts hearing these voices. You know, he's stressed out. He's, he says he started hearing these voices about, you know, a divine power guiding him to kill the aliens. He had a lot of like um, people said people around him said he did have some mental breakdowns or mental breaks at some points. But uh, there's a people's there's training that I go through at my work. Why well, not this job? The other, the other job I had in this field and they have you listen to this tape and they have you listen to it without headphones and then with headphones. And it's like um, it's just a simulated of what a person with schizophrenia could hear. And like when you listen to it, like on like, just like a, a speaker or a TV speaker, like it's, yeah. you can hand you know you can handle it. You're like fuck, that's crazy. But when you put them headphones on, dude, it's a whole different thing. It's crazy, really. And they really simulated that in the game called Hellblade, Sensuna's uh, Sacrifice. And huh. you you play. Um, I haven't beat the entire game yet, but like I've just played like, cause it's really intense. Like I, it's hard for me to play it. And like you play this chick and she's in what looks to be like an ancient tribe, maybe some Norse mythology put in there. And she's on this quest to do something and you're kind of figuring out what it is, but you can clearly mm-hmm. tell that she is extremely schizophrenic. So the entire, when you're playing the game, you play it on speakers it's still intense, but like they tell mm-hmm. you right when you play it, they're like, you need to play it with headphones to experience the true meaning behind this game. And when you do like it's, I mean, it's intense because they take full advantage of the 5.1 or 7.1 in, in the headphones. Like they virtual, they virtual simulate, uh, simulate it. Jeez, and yeah. dude, it's, it's fucking intense. So like if this dude's hearing it all the time and like, Oh, know, sure. I'm telling you, man, I've seen, I've seen crazy shit like that when I worked in the mental health field, man. You'd, it's a, it's a whole different ball game where people don't go, you know, they don't they go untreated or not even be diagnosed in the first place, you know, swept under a rug, et cetera. Like it's fucked up. Jeez Louise, man. Yeah. I can't even imagine. They said, uh, before he got on the bus, he was sitting at the bus stop for like 24 hours, practically with a sign saying laptop $600. They said he sat perfectly still. He was barely even blinking, just staring off into space. And uh, eventually he sold his laptop for like 60 bucks to some kid. And uh, police had to track the kid down too to recover the laptop just to kind of, you know, go through that and see if there's any kind of motives or any pre-planning of what he did, you know, and why he did it and shit like that. But yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, they said that after they booked him and they went through his stuff, he had like, I think they said his nose and an ear 
in his pocket or something like that. And they never came never came across Tim's eyes. Apparently he ate the eyeballs and uh, other parts. But yeah, he had <sighs> chunks of this guy in his pocket as well. But it's sad, man. It's sad because of schizophrenia. And I guess later on he did say that he did realize that those voices were not divine intervention. It was uh, voices from the schizophrenia and uh, – yeah, like you said, he he went free, and that's uh, that's an argument that I don't think anybody will ever win one way or the other, whether he should or should not have. But yep, he uh, he lives under the different name now and lives a totally autonomous uh, life. Apparently, I don't know. It'd be interesting to to look him up and find out what he's doing. But at the same time, like, is that morbid curiosity? Does the guy deserve to live by himself and and you know have his privacy now? Yeah, that's. Crazy to think, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, but yeah, there you go. That's that's the weird shit I was thinking about when I was watching Dave Matthews Band in Dallas. <laughs> Wendigos and uh, hiking murders and uh, school bus <laughs> cannibalism. I'm a sick puppy, apparently, but dude, I'm browsing uh, graveyards or uh, Ranker that website that was that the story was just on, uh-huh. and they have uh, a channel that's called Graveyard Shift. And yeah, I love like, Graveyard Shift. That's crazy. There's all kinds of cool shit in here. Like, they they cover all the cool stuff people talk about on Reddit, like mm-hmm. uh, cryptic messages on tombstones only hint at their terrifying backstories. Just all kinds of, like, real dispatchers share nightmare calls they'll never forget. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm excited. That's cute. You had a bit of a speech impediment there. I know. I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really fucking hungry, too. I love tired speech impediments yeah. that they'll never forget. Yeah, Preston, do you ever get on there and mess around on Graveyard Shift? Nope. I fucking I like it. That's where I first uh, found my first article about that Canadian cannibal uh, story. Oh, yeah. It was a graveyard, but yeah, I mean they're kind of like a, a BuzzFeed or Ranker of yeah, sorts. But they're I fun. Don't like it, I always find stories, and if they're good enough, then I'll go actually research. You know, outside of the website, but hell yeah, yeah. There you go, guys. Um, if you you know you know call at, get help. If you suffer, if you can see these things oncoming, do your best. You know, there's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in taking meds, mental health. It's very important, and uh, you definitely should take care of yourself. So, All right, you ready for this paranormal encounter story? Yeah, Steve, why don't you drive this bus home? Now, from the depths of Reddit, it's time for Tinfoil Hat Stories with Steven. <laughs> Alright, so this is from subreddit Paranormal Encounters. This is posted by user Kremen2001. Mm. It says, in our new house so far, dot dot dot. We moved from our previous home in 2016, even though I still can't bring myself to believe in the supernatural, even after everything that occurred in the old house, I still made a point of saying goodbye to the old lady and her son. Yeah, very embarrassing, so I did it when I was alone. What, what does that mean? I still made a point of saying about the old lady and her son. Oh, uh, maybe that's the ghost he was talking to? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm a little confused. I'm confused, too. We moved from our previous home in 2016, period. Mm-hmm. Even though I still can't bring myself to believe in the supernatural, even uh, after everything that occurred in our old house, comma, I still made a point of saying goodbye to the old lady and her son, Parentheses, yeah, comma, very embarrassing, so I did it when I was alone. 
period. Okay, he's talking about the ghost, maybe. Maybe we get to that. Maybe he kind of gave us the ending before he gave us the story. Okay. Because occasionally my wife talks in her sleep. I find it funny as sometimes the stuff she comes out with is hilarious. So I got a sleep recording app for my phone as I thought <laughs> it would be amusing for her to hear what she says. And then November, not long after we had moved in, I set it up to record. This guy loves his commas. To be honest, I didn't bother listening to it until several weeks later, and then it was only because my wife mentioned it and I realized I'd forgotten about it. I plugged the headphones into my phone and turned on the app. It only records when there is sufficient sound and sort of discards background noise so that you don't have to scroll through hours of recordings. That's awesome. The bed, yeah. the bed creaked whenever we moved, so there was a lot of that at first. Then at around 3 a.m. mark, I heard something that made me feel cold all over. Ooh. It was a female voice, not my wife's, almost hidden by the creaking, so I could only catch a small bit of it that sounded like, for you and your family. I passed the headphones to my wife, who, tuned pre- who turned pale. I still have a recording on my phone. Well, you should have posted it. The second thing that happened was just as odd, but a hell of a lot scarier. One night, very late, I woke up to see my wife sitting on the edge of the bed with her back to me. She was giggling and chattering manically like some sort of I don't know an imp a goblin it's difficult to explain and she was sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she was sort of hunched over with her arms raised slightly and she was kind of miming eating or something all the while chattering chattering and giggling I metaphorically shat myself I didn't know what to do so I turned over pulled the quilt over my head and closed my eyes like a little bitch until everything went quiet again after a few minutes she got back into bed and fell asleep I didn't. I told her. <laughs> that's what he said. Period. Take deep breath. Takes deep breath. I didn't. <laughs> I told her about it the following day, and her reaction was similar to mine. So far, it's not happened again. Thankfully. What the fuck? Wow. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. And that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Yeah. Fuck. So as always, I mean, this, these are paranormal encounters typed up on Reddit. Who knows if they're real or not? If not. Pretty cool story either way. Dude, I think – I mean that that's the kind of story to me. Like there's no boom, big reveal. The next night I woke up and there's a goblin eating a corn dog on the dresser. You know, that's – Whoa. <laughs> that would be a great end. <laughs> no, I think he posted – I think he posted uh, – he says Fuck he posted you. the audio. Um, He posted – that was seven months ago. I got a little ago. chill when you said that. <laughs> no, like – he said, um, I'm going to post the audio of it. He posted that about seven months ago, so I have to scroll back. If I find that, I'll send it to you. Hell yeah, do that, man. Do that. No, I like that story because it does It does leave you with a little bit of like, it's just, uh, lame is not the right word. It's just somber enough and calm enough and creepy enough to be real. Yeah. Did I tell you about the time that Shayla used to talk in her sleep or, or about how Shayla used to talk in her sleep, I should say? Uh-uh. When we first got married um, and we lived up in River Road Apartments in El Dorado, um, she would talk in her sleep all the time. And there was this one time where like, I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I rolled because I heard her talking and I was like, huh, what? And she's like, well, yes, uh. I said, what? And so like I propped up on my elbow on my side. I'm looking at her. And I said, I grabbed her by the shoulder and kind of shook her. And I'm like, what? what? Did you say something, babe? She's like, what do you want on your sandwich? And I, I kind of laughed. And I was like, go back to sleep. And she's like, no. No, what do you want on your sandwich? And she asked me like four or five times. And she wouldn't go to sleep until I told her. 
I was like, you know what? Just give me mayonnaise, mustard, and lettuce. And she's like, okay. <laughs> I fucking fell back asleep. But one time I almost metaphorically shit myself was I was dead asleep and I woke up to the violent feeling of my neck spinning from one side or my head, I should say, spinning from one side all the way to the other. Like someone grabbed it and twisted it, right? Some Reagan shit. Yeah. And so like I woke up not only out of a dead panic, but also disoriented and dizzy because my head just whipped from one side to the other. And I realized my pillow had been jerked. So like I was laying on my left side, my right side, looking at Shayla and my head was like twisted the other way and my pillow was gone. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so like I rolled back over facing Shayla and she had, she was sitting up with my pillow clenched, like both arms around it, like she's hugging it. And I tried to say, what are you doing? And I go, what? And she goes, who? Like loud and right in my fucking face. Like I felt the wind from her lungs, like blow my hair back practically. And like, I'm fucking terrified. I'm like, what? And she almost yells it. Wow. And then she just like laid back down dead asleep. And so I slept the rest of the night without a pillow staring at the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Fucking terrified, but. Yeah, she didn't talk her to sleep anymore now, so. That's crazy, man. Cool. Well, guys, I think that's a good place to cut unless you all have something to add to it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. What do you guys want to plug? Pixelated Paranormal <laughs> Pixelated Paranormal Podcast on Facebook. And you know, what's the other thing? Something else. What do we else? <sighs> Instagram. Instagram. Which is PXL Paranormal. Paranormal. There you go. <laughs> very nice and twitter as well yeah I'm check out so our, uh, our instagram i'll post a lot of pictures about that uh that appalachian uh murder case there's some there's some photos there that i'd like to put on there you know about people involved and whatnot and uh i'd like to say a hearty a hearty uh what do you say at this time happy memorial day we're recording this on yeah. memorial, memorial day and uh, i know everybody barbecues and gets drunk and all that kind of shit but uh about a lot more than that and i would like to say maybe maybe on your guys's behalf um thanks to everybody i mean our veterans you know we have a lot that listen to the show and we thank you guys for your service but um more than that we want to thank uh, everybody who you know gave 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 it all for uh the cause and yep. uh, because of a lot of sacrifice uh, we have listeners made. that are still serving yeah that's true we do yeah and thank you guys uh for for continuing to serve and uh you know like i was going to say people some people gave it all and uh, that kind of sacrifice gives us the right to sit here and talk about stupid shit and weird shit and uh, gives us that freedom and that right. So uh, mm-hmm. just want to thank everybody for that. And, you know, it means the world to us. And uh, mm-hmm. what else do you say? Thank you so much. Word up. Presto, what do you want to plug, buddy? If you want a beard, if you need a beard, if you want to grow a Appalachian <laughs> firewater sexy if you just want to fucking up your beard game to the max check out big dobs beardbomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order check out the new amazing mint flavor check out bay rum check out dundee cedar check out fresh Citrus, classic, sweet tobacco, 
just check it all out. Get just get a tin of every single fucking one of it and smother it on your face, and you'll have a Wendigo licking you, dude. Guaranteed. He needs to do a paranormal line. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. Even if you do just one scent of like a Bigfoot or alien or some shit like that, that will sell so much. I'm telling you, dude. Ectoplasm. Um, I got a question. Is fire water a racist term? No. All right. What's fire water mean, Preston? I thought that was alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, but wasn't that like derived from like Native Americans? Oh, look at over there, Big Tim and his fire water. Yeah, but I yeah, but I'm native but I'm Native American, so you know it's not. As racist. I got the card, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. All right, well I guess that makes it better. I just two out of three of us aren't offended, so fuck off. I'm, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, just moonshine. <laughs> High proof beverages, particularly moonshine. Oh fucking whitey over here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, hell yeah. All right, guys. Check out our friends over in Colorado, Fear and Fame. Check out Mark Solocast, Pixelated Sausage. Preston, what's my favorite race car podcast? Sports Cars Unleashed. Yeah. Check out Rich and all the guys with that show. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, Gunslinger Soap. Check them out. They smell great. I, uh, I usually rub my body down in the shower with Shogun. Leaves me feeling extra. Shoryoken? Extra. Shoryoken. <laughs> yeah I wash uh, wash my body with Capone yeah <laughs> does he how does he feel about that um, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping to catch up with them uh, in July when I go to Crypticon and I meet Joe Bob Briggs hopefully in person hell yeah that'd be fun man can't wait can't I'm wait excited for our movies we're seeing here in a little bit hell yeah yeah I got some good shit coming up man Good shit coming up. All right, well, let's get out of here. It's been an hour and a half. Uh, we'll cut that down. Probably about an hour and 28 minutes is what I'm guessing. Yeah. But thanks so much yeah. for listening to us babble. We'll get back on track next time. And then uh, we're fast approaching episode 100. Got mm-hmm. a lot of fun shit in the works. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Have we ever heard back from that priest yet, Preston? Should we? No. I'm Should still we? waiting. Should we re-email them? It's been a little while. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's do it. Cool. We also have a new connect. There is a guy that is local around here that does that is on a horror podcast with three other oh, really? individuals, and they live like all around the United States. And they just got back from Frightmare in Texas, and oh. I just learned about his podcast. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to it. If it's cool, I'll give it a shout out, and I told him that it, uh, we could possibly maybe get an interview with him sometime. Oh, Brad, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine, Cody, that wants to get together one of these days and chat. And he has done and used to do, maybe still does, a little bit of uh, tarot card reading. And uh, was into some lucid dreaming and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, he uh, hit me up. I'd I'd love to sit down one of these days with him and chat uh, all of us together and stuff like that. So, sweet. Yeah, I got a lot of fun stuff in the works that we can't talk about yet. But uh, some investigations, some home hauntings. Some uh, other interesting folks we're going to interview, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Awesome. All right, cool. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys all next time. Peace. Peace. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. 
Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.